this time to welcome into Sports Talk once again the man known worldwide as the pastor of pain, but his close friends like us know him as Corey Miller. It's the pastor of pain time here on Sports Talk. Good evening, Corey. How are you? Doing well, guys. Uh, yeah, it sounds weird you calling me Corey Miller, but yeah, that's... <laughs> That sounds kind of pedestrian. That is is your birth name. I do believe it is your your birth name. So that's kind of how we like to refer to you. Uh, So before we get into a a bunch of other stuff, we were talking about this in the last half hour. So Clemson and Alabama, let's just say uh, they, they play, they line up to play each other in like the Orange Bowl. But as Pat was looking it up, between the two teams, you got about. 15 guys or so, 13, 15 potential NFL draft picks and guys who'll be picked in the top four rounds. Would you expect that there'd be mass exodus from both teams after the regular season by guys who'll say, you know what, I've given it enough. It's time for me to move on now to the NFL side of things. That's a good question. I, I don't know. I, you know, knowing uh, you know a lot of guys at Alabama and knowing that you know what Coach Saban was definitely tried to uh, explain to his guys, you know, if, if they're bona fide first-round type guys, he would get it. I don't think he has a problem with that. Um, and they definitely got three or four guys probably that's going to go in the first round. So, yeah, I, I could see some guys are not playing, uh, you know. But, again, I understand both ways. I know a lot of people don't like it. And a lot of people say, that hey, you're not finishing things up with your team. But it is what it is at this point. Uh, because guys are trying to protect their future. And, and uh, you know, being that I did it for a number amount of years, I understand it, I get it. Uh, you got to do that. I mean, at some point you want to go get an early start, start your training and sign with an agent and move on with your career. Uh, so if they do choose to do that, I wouldn't have a problem with it. But I don't think it's going to be that many guys. I think you'll have a couple here or there, you know, maybe a Bryce Young, you know, Maybe you say, hey, you've got the shoulder injury, no need to go out there and, and try to, you know, win a game. You've done enough already for this program, and, you know, we're going to move on to Tamiro, let him go get some snaps and reps, and we'll be just fine. So I can see that happening, but I don't think it's going to be a, a ton of guys. Given that opportunity back in your day, is it something you think you would have done? If, if it was going to benefit me, you know, if I was going to be a – a high draft pick, yeah, I would definitely say, you know what, I'm out. But if I needed to do more uh, against a, a worthy opponent and try to increase the, my value, then I'm going to play in the ball game. And so, uh, you know, today they got insurance, you got all the stuff that you can protect and cover yourself with. So, you know, depending on where where I felt like I was at, you know, not just by what an agent tells me, but if I got back my report and it said, hey, you're going to be a first-rounder, I probably would have set out that ball game and, and started training. But if not, I'm going to try to continue to increase my value along with an all-star game after that. So I will continue to keep playing just based on what my draft status would be. All right, let's talk about the games this past weekend. Uh, Phil, what if I may, you, I yes. hate to interrupt, but I did want to ask Corey one other you thing about that. Then we can move, move on. I, Sorry about that, guys. Just but, uh, barge right on in. <laughs> Corey, fans get so upset when this kind of stuff happens. I think back to Debo Samuel and all Gamecock fans who loved him throughout his career, really upset that he did not play in the bowl game prior to going into the NFL. How does the team 
in your mind, how do the players actually take maybe one of their star players sitting out or opting out of a bowl game? Is there dissension in the locker room because of that, or are they pretty happy because uh, that guy's got an opportunity? No problem at all. I mean, the players are fine, and they understand because most of them, if in that position, would probably do the same thing. So, you know, you know, all these guys, are, when they come to college, most of them, I would say probably 80% of them thinking, hey, I, I want an opportunity to get to the league. This kind of the, the, the bridge to get me there, and, and players understand that. So, you know, when, when the teammates make a decision, they support them, they, they're happy for them, and uh, they move on, uh, and they go out and try to win the ball game based on who's there. And I think for the most part, coaches do understand that. They know that's, that's part of the process these days. So, but, but to answer your question, nah, there's no dissension, there's no – uh, animosity, there's no anger or bitterness toward the individual that chooses to do that. I mean, that's their future. I mean, that's that's what they're trying to do, make a living for them and their families. And, and you know, it, you only have a, a, a short window of time to do that. So I think most guys are, are happy and, and excited for guys to go take advantage of that opportunity. Visiting with the Pastor of Pain, Corey Miller here on yeah. Sports Talk. The Pastor of Pain. So what was that wrong? Sounds good, man. What was wrong with Clemson's run defense against Notre Dame? They just physically got whooped. You know, Dabo said it best. I mean, they, you know, they got the tails kicked. He didn't say it that way, but they <laughs> did. Uh, uh, physically dominated, got knocked back, pushed around. They didn't change the line of scrimmage. You know, you're used to looking at Clemson's uh, defensive front. They play on the other side of the ball. They're in the backfield. They're dictating what the running back does. You didn't see a lot of that in this ball game, and, and, you know, we talked about this. I thought Notre Dame's offensive line was really good. I've been watching the last couple of weeks. They've, uh, you know, got a couple of new backs uh, in that lineup, uh, you know, did, have run the ball very well. They had big tight ends, and I think that's the way you, you match up with the Clemson front because they like to stunt. They move around. They're hitting gaps. That's how they play defense up there, and, and Notre Dame did a great job of neutralizing that, getting pushed, running downhill you know, cutting off those linebackers, and, and it was a great game plan. But I I had questions before the game, and you heard me say this. I, mm-hmm. You know, I saw Florida State. I've, I've seen uh, other teams have success running the ball against the front. They're not the same. They don't have those alpha dudes up there anymore. They don't have that, that front, front eight like they had. You know, they can rotate, and guys were, you know, they didn't fall off. They don't have that type of player on defense right now. They got K.J. Henry, some guys, but they're not physical guys. They're, they're not physical guys. I was talking to some folks uh, earlier today. I was up there doing the TV show and uh, that, that played at Clemson, and that's one of the things that has been said is that they really lack that physicality, that, that really go get them. Uh, you know, that guy that can really just say, hey, man, let's go ball out. They don't have that anymore. Uh, it's been more finesse. Now, if you're getting second and long, third and long, you let them rush the passer, they're great. But when it's just, man, mano y mano, man oh man, they haven't done so well. So, uh, it, it wasn't shocking to me that Notre Dame had had the success that they had two 100-yard rushers in that ball game. Yeah, and then offensively, the revolving door situation there at quarterback to uh, to some degree. Uh, they're sticking with DJ Uyangale uh, still at this point, uh, but there's now you, you, the, the the seed of doubt has certainly been planted in his mind and everybody else's mind. So. I mean, they need him to go out and have a super game, or they continue to uh, to flip things around there at quarterback. I guess moving forward, what do you see there? Well, he hasn't been great, but except for you know maybe Wake Forest game and 
and, and you know, was pretty good against Florida State. But it wasn't just overly impressive. They don't have, again, that dude on the outside. They don't have the explosive, you know, those those big plays, those those chunk plays, receivers that can really line up and take one-on-one coverage and beat their guy. They don't have that on the outside. On the outside. The offensive line has been just okay. Uh, you know, the run game, solid but not great. Will Shipley's a nice running back, but not a not a guy that's going to scare you. Um, and, and that's the problem with this offense. Back in the day with Trevor, you know, and Deshaun Watson, uh, they had dudes, man. You you had to you had to defend. You had to pick your poison against some of those offensive weapons that they've had. They don't have that anymore. Uh, and so when you when you look at their offense, it's just okay. Uh, last year it was just okay. Uh, and so you got two years of this offense, no Tony Elliott, uh, and it's been bad. So for me, I started to look at uh, Brandon Streeter. I started to look at the defensive coordinator and, and, and say, what are, the, what are these guys doing? Is it the talent, you know, or is it the scheme? And I see a little bit of both. I think the scheme has been bad offensively. They hadn't run a lot of things that they've done in the past where they try to get guys in space and, and utilize their ability. Um, so this is a team that, you know, I never felt, and I've been saying this since I've been on with you and before, that there were this is not a playoff team. Even though they were undefeated, nobody was overly impressed with Clemson. Uh, they was they was getting by. Uh, they was coming from behind to beat teams like Syracuse and uh, struggling against a team like Wake Forest, and we've seen uh, what that, those two teams have done. So, you know, they, they're just not there. Uh, and I think Alabama, you mentioned the two teams, uh, even though they lost two games, but on the road in hostile environments uh, by a total of four points. And so I think they're in much better shape than where Clemson is. Clemson is, is taking a big step back, in my opinion, uh, a, a big, big step. And, and, man, I think this week going to be a telltale, too, because Louisville is playing better football. Malik Cunningham is back. Uh, this team can score. And their defense of Louisville has been playing pretty salty as well. So uh, we'll see how they bounce back. Will that, that one loss cost uh, cost them too, uh, and we'll see how they respond. But I think, man, it, it's very it's very finicky right now for the Tigers. Mm, good points. Jeff Scott's looming out there now after getting fired from um, USF. I mean, do you, you don't expect that Sweeney's going to shake up his staff or anything like that after this season because, I mean, he hired – he put the guys in place. That'd be an admission of making a mistake. Well, he, he made a mistake. I mean, but I think – Two of them, you know, what we're seeing, Phil, is what Alabama has dealt with the last six years, right? Losing great coordinators, becoming head coaches, but they have been able to overcome that uh, up until this season for the most part. I, I think it was a mistake uh, and the hires that he made with these coordinators. I really do. And I think it, it's okay to admit, hey, this was – I gave my guys a chance. These guys have been with me. I wanted to promote from within. That's who Dabo is, you know. He want to take his guys. He don't like the transfer portal. So I think both of those things, the hires not utilizing the transfer portal, cost them, and that's pride. Sometimes your pride will get in the way. It comes before fall. It really does, and I think he made a mistake with these two coordinators, and I would not be shocked if Jeff Scott or somebody else. I wouldn't go back to that maybe, but I may look around to see if I can find me an offensive coordinator that's innovative, that's that can utilize these five and four stars that they get every single year and get back to the Clemson football because he did, in my opinion, and I said this to Pat Sapp today who played at Clemson, that I thought that was one of the two of the biggest mistakes he made was those coordinators. When you lose a Brent Venables, 
you lose Elliott, those guys were good and they stayed a long time. But we see now what happens when you lose those types of coaches. Corey, one final thought on the Clemson offense, and then we move forward. Uh, last night, Chuck Reedy brought up an interesting point. And when he watches them play, and to your point about the scheme, he sees them trying to go too much sideline to sideline instead of vertically down the field. Is that, in your mind, one of the problems? Maybe they don't test the, uh, the downfield passing game enough? Absolutely. That's what I keep saying, you know, those chunk plays, those explosive plays. That, you know, and I think they don't have that guy. They don't have a Mike Williams out there. They don't have a D-Hop out there. You know, those guys that go get the ball, play basketball, go up and rebound it. They don't have those guys anymore. Um, those guys on the outside, to me, just are okay. And I think maybe that's why we don't see them uh, throwing it down the field as much. And they don't have – I mean, Williams is going to be a nice player in the slot. But, you know, they don't have consistency there. They're, to me, their biggest – more consistent weapons have been their tight ends in the passing game. And so, yeah, they just got a plethora of problems, in my opinion, offensively. They got to work out. I mean, I know Dabo's a loyal man. He wants to be loyal to DJ Uwe Anglele. But, you know, this team has is, 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 is got to find some, some, some more pieces. I think you got to drop his pride. You got to go in the portal. You got to get some guys that can come in and, and, and fit what you're doing and, and try to, you know, get more innovative. If not, I mean, this team, I see Louisville, and, I, and I even see a South Carolina. If they can continue to get better, that's going to test them in a couple of weeks. So, um, you know, they're not used to losing like that there in the upstate. So I believe Dabo is going to do some, some different things here in the near future. All right, let's turn the attention to the Gamecocks. Vanderbilt, their victim last weekend, they did some good things in all three phases, but it was Vanderbilt. What do you take away from that game that maybe uh, – is something to build on going into the Florida game. Well, getting another win on the road is, is always in conference is good and impressive. And uh, I love the fact that, you know, Coach Satterfield has listened to all of us, hmm. you know, and said, hey, I need to put the ball in the hands of my playmakers. We saw the amount of touches Jaheim Bell got. We saw the carry on Jonah, another guy getting the ball game and not just getting there and run a quarterback counter, you know, through the ball. I mean, so I thought that was a really – that's the good thing in this ball game. The bad and the slash ugly thing to me is the defensive uh, front. Mm. The defense as a whole struggled stopping the run. Uh, you know, Vanderbilt, as you said, it's Vanderbilt, but they ran the ball extremely well against our defense. So, you know, even though the offense got better, then the defense took a step backwards, in my opinion. So you got you to gotta sure that up. I know they got some injuries and things like that going on. You're going down to Gainesville a team that uh, can run the football. That's what they do. Uh, that's going to be a huge challenge for South Carolina. But I was more impressed with the offense that, hey, okay, this is what you do. This is what smart coaches do. If you want to win games, you got to utilize the talent. you got to utilize those guys' skill set. And they did that against Vanderbilt. Now, can we continue to be consistent? Will we see that again against Florida this, this weekend? I, okay, I'm good with one game, but let's do it back to back to back. And let's see if we can get some things moving because I think they're going to have to score some points uh, in order to win this game on the road against the Gators. Now, you know, I know back in your day, you know, you really liked to hit the little small quarterback, the little 5'10", 5'9", runt that you could uh, <laughs> get your hands on and sling him down. But now, when you're talking about this guy, Anthony Richardson, now we remember what the Gamecocks couldn't do against K.J. Jefferson in, in Week 2. And we flashed right. back many years and remember them bouncing off Cam Newton like they were flies, and he was swatting them away. What's – I'm not going to say what's so hard. 
I know it's hard, but what's the key to bring it down a big, heavy set quarterback like they're going to face on Saturday? Well, it depends on which, you know, Richardson we're going to get. I mean, a lot of people had this guy slated as a number one draft pick. He's got a big arm. He's 6'3", 4", 240, 250. Looks like Josh Allen out there running the football. Well, you know, I taught my little kids this. Even when Christian was little, my other son, CJ, and the little uh, Polo Road New York Giants when we won about three championships out there. And I said, you know what you do when you face a guy that's bigger and taller than you? You know how to get him on the ground? And they said, what do we do, coach? You take those knees out. You take those legs out and you wrap them up and you shoot at them. And that guy's going to hit the ground. Well, it doesn't change in SEC football. If you go try to hit a guy like that up high, he's going to stiff for him here. They're going to put his hand in your face mask. They don't call it on the offense. But when you go take – listen, man, guy can't run without those legs, bro. Mm-hmm. You can't run. So you got to shoot. You got You can't wait on him. I, I, this makes me mad. Mm-hmm. I've seen DBs for Alabama do this. They're, guys break through, and they sit back, and they wait. You have to go shoot. You have to go take a shot at him. If it's on the sideline, use the sideline to help you. But you got to hit him low. You can't just go throw a shoulder at the limit. But you got to run through those legs and wrap up. That's what you got to do. You got to be aggressive and physical because he's a physical runner. So the same little teaching at Polo Road is the same teaching that I'm going to tell the, the South Carolina Gamecocks. You better take his legs out because if you don't, you're going to be embarrassed. Your boys back home, your homeboys going to be calling you on Sunday morning, not about going to church, but they're going to be called laughing at you, talking about how you got trucked. <laughs> so you, you better be able to take those legs out, bro. You better, <laughs> better take those legs out. Now, I, can, I, I say that to my little guy, and I say it to the older guys, but it's amazing to me that these big-time college athletes still don't know how to tackle, man. And, and it's some of the worst tackling that I've seen in a lot of years. Do they just not spend the time anymore on it, or or guys just don't want to play those positions and and be tacklers? Well, I think they don't. I mean, you know, with all the rules, all the concussions, and you know, they they wearing those things on their heads now on top mm-hmm. of the helmets. Mm-hmm. You know, they they're trying to tackle dummies, right? Listen, you and you can feel corn blue mm. can go out there and look like an all American tackling a dummy. A dummy's not gonna juke you. A dummy don't have no power, no explosive hips. You know what I mean? You, the only way you get better at tackling is tackling. And if you don't tackle, and when you get into the game, man, when these live bullets are flying, you're not going to do well. And this is the problem because they don't want to hit anymore. You, they don't want to do that anymore. And, and one of the things, like I said about Alabama, you know what? Alabama, I, text, I tweeted this the other night. They're soft. <laughs> they, they, this team was never soft because they did the fourth quarter. They did things like that. Now we're using analytics and we're using all this highly sophisticated stuff when it comes to daggone football, and it pees me off. You know, analytics on the play calling, analytics on how to tackle, and let's use all these machines. You get better tackling by tackling. You get better blocking by blocking somebody. Head, face mask, and hands. It's not that hard. You have to get back to the basics. You know how Georgia – is this one of the best teams or the best in the country? Why? Why they dismantled Tennessee? Why? Because Kirby Smart took what Nick Saban has taught all of these years and said, I'm sticking to the basics. 
We're going to be physical. We're not going to let Jalen Hyatt, his 175-pound frame, run in the 4-2 right down the field. We're going to put our hands on him. We're going to jam him at the line of scrimmage. Why? Because it, this, it messes up the rhythm. You take away the timing of the passing game. Guys, it's not that hard. We, we, we've gotten too smart now for football. Football is blocking and tackling. 100. You can give me the analytics all you want to. You better get your butt down there, down and dirty, and be physical. If you don't, when you play great football teams, you're going to lose. And that's what South Carolina has to get back to and stick with that model. Let's be physical. Face and hands. Blow people up. Those teams win. Discipline. And we see Alabama don't have it now. We see other teams don't have that now. And that's why they're struggling. I don't think I would have liked to have played on your team. Wow. Imagine the pep talks they had. I think you, awesome. You, I'd wet my pants. I think you'd scare me to death. I'm talking about your midget team, your little, you know, seven and eight year old job. <laughs> you know, Christian will tell you this, man. My, Christian was on my team. He was five, almost six, right? And we were doing a tackling drill. And this kid was bigger than him. And when you ask that question, that's what I thought about. And man, this this little running back kid, he 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 trucked Christian, and Christian was dead. And I said, no, I don't hurt my little son. Let me take him out the tackling drill. And and so he said, no, daddy. I said, well, how do you tackle someone bigger? And man, that next play, Christian blew his leg out. And, and he'll tell you that to this day. You would have been on my team because you know what, Phil? You wouldn't have been a powder puff. Charmin, tissue, dude. We got to go on that. See ya. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Be right back.